0: What's up, y'all? It's your man Ernest. So, you love Ernest, same guy, different name. Back again with another episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast here. Um, might be a short episode today. Two topics. Um, I do have things to say about them but you never know. So, let me get right into it. First topic at hand, we're going to talk about <laughs> Malik Yopa once again. Um, basically, he stormed off of, for those who don't know, he stormed out of. Uh, Interview he did with the root, and um, I'm gonna share my thoughts on that. I am, I well, I felt inclined to play uh part of the interview, not all of it, but part of the interview. I don't have the time stamps for the parts that I want to play, um, so it's gonna be a lot of skipping around and editing, I guess of, you know, what, what, you're gonna have to excuse me, I guess, um, hopefully my editing skills are on point to cut out the, cut out the unwanted fat, but, um, basically, uh, Malik Yoba did an interview with the Eru, obviously, and that interview went down south, it started off one way, and then you can, as I watched it, uh, I, you can see how progressively, <laughs> uh, fucked up the interview was going, um, how it was getting worse and worse and worse. And yeah, I'm gonna give, uh, the interview credit. I forget his name. Um, uh, <clears throat> but he even tried to tell Malik, you know, the more you're talking at this point, the more you're making yourself, you you're, you're basically digging this hole for yourself. Uh, but Malik continued to talk. Uh, he, he 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 continued to basically lie. <clears throat> what it looked like, at least it seemed to me, he continued to lie and try to save face and try to do his best to defend his name by making himself look more guilty. Um, now the interview went south because the interviewer asked Malik Yoba about the allegations, the sexual assault, uh, well, not sexual assault, but statutory rape allegations, uh, that he's now having many. When I first talked about it, I only talked about the allegation, the one allegation from Maria Lopez, the first trans woman to come out and say when she was, I believe she was 13 at the time. Uh, When she was 13 years old, Malik Yoba paid to have sex with her. Um, Now there are other trans women who are now adults who are coming out and are saying, I believe there's a total of three. if If I'm mistaken, if there's more, if there's less, let me know. But I believe there's a total of three trans women, grown trans women now who've come out and said yeah between the ages when they were between the ages of 13 I think the oldest was 16 uh, Malik Yoba was paying to have sex with them and Malik Yoba is this is basically uh, what he does he he will have sex with trans prostitutes basically Uh, underage and of age as well so, these are actions of somebody who is sexualizing these women, these trans people, these women. Um, and somebody who is, you know, trying to put up a front of they, they are for the community. They just, they love trans women and stuff. But it seems as though their actions say they're just your little sex toys, So there's been a lot of trans women, uh, especially black trans women who've come out and stated that Malik Yoba is not an ally because of these actions, the, the actions that he's betrayed, uh, the relations he's had with trans women do not portray actions of an ally. Now, I'm not saying that because these women are coming out and they're saying, oh, because he's paying to have sex with uh, prostitutes who are trans women uh, or sex workers. That's the appropriate name, right? Sex workers who are trans women um, that does not make him an ally. Um, I do agree with the notion that it does, in a way, at least to me, seem funny seem funny meaning that it doesn't seem as though something uh an ally would do was would would be to to uh use these women as as just personal sex toys at this that and the third because when you think about it uh yeah prostitution or sex working it's it's you know somebody people it, it is a business yeah uh but <clears throat> when you're doing that when I say you I'm probably being you I've never paid for sex and I never will uh, now I know people are going to argue well if you taking the woman out on a date and you had sex with her that night you basically paid for sex no, no. probably going to discuss that in a future episode but no I'm talking about I've never gone on the street and said hey whatever your name is or hey sex worker I'll pay you X amount of dollars if you do this sexual act with me or if you let me do these sexual acts to you, right? Um, You know, I've never done that. I've never had the desire to do that, um, not only because I'm too cheap, uh, but because I have too much pride in myself. That's just a me thing. I have too much pride in myself to have to pay someone to do something when I'm like, I take more pride when somebody offers to do that shit for me uh, to me for free or wants me to do whatever I want to do with them for free because they fuck with me like that right Uh, we're not here to talk about my sex life we're here to talk about Malik Yoba so yes I believe these actions are actions of somebody who doesn't really care about the trans community as much as he's saying he does uh, because once again, like I stated before, if this is a man who truly cares about the safety of trans women, trans people in general, but trans women, uh, he would know the dangers that they go through when they're not even sex workers. So let alone think about a trans woman who happens to be a sex worker, right? That's a pretty dangerous lifestyle for any woman. Trans are not to live. So, for him to put these women in that type of danger, whether he is one of the, the Johns, right, who is super abusive or not. He may not have been a, an abusive John, right? Uh, but at the same time, you know these women are in danger. So, for you to partake in that type of lifestyle, knowing, and I get it, you know, the women are cho- uh, some. Maybe some of them are are choosing that. Uh, maybe some are choosing because they feel as like so though they have no other choice to, for money, for survival, and things like that. I've already touched on that, uh, but that doesn't take away from the aspect that there. This is a dangerous job for anyone, any person, really, any man or woman to be doing. Uh, whether you're trans or cisgender. Um, or non-binary, it's any—it's a dangerous job for anybody to be doing. So I feel as though it would make sense for somebody who claims to care about this group of people to say, "I would not be another person who can possibly sub- subject themselves uh, or subject that person to the dangers of this lifestyle." And if I meet somebody of who is working this, who is a sex worker, I'm going to at least try to make their life easier by being a helping hand and not just being another customer and not being another person that can possibly add danger to their life. And when I mean danger, I don't just mean physical harm as in the possibility of getting uh, beat up or killed. I mean... You know, the risk of getting STDs and and AIDS and, you know, all this other shit that nobody really wants. Nobody wants in general, right? Um, Now, Malik can say, well, I've used protection. I always use protection, this, that, and the third. And any other John out there can say that they use protection when they're with these sex workers. That is cool. That is great. Um, But that does not mean that you're protected. Especially if you are someone who frequents trans women who are sex workers. That doesn't mean that you're making their life easier because you put on a condom. It, you know, that's that's just my, my thought about it. But I want to get further into the interview. Uh, I'm doing like 50 things at once. I'm buying something on Amazon I'm also looking at this interview, <laughs> uh, and I'm also obviously recording this podcast, uh, so, yeah, big old renaissance man you're listening to over here, but, um, let me continue, I wanna ca- kinda wanna fast forward, and hopefully when I fast forward, it's to the parts that I really want to discuss was, uh, Basically, this uh, well, the parts that I really want to record and discuss. Basically, an interviewer and uh, leading leading up the events leading up to Malik's storm off, and then the actual storm off. Uh, I still have the video on pause, but I do want to talk about. Uh, well, no, nah, I'll save that point for when I continue
1: talking. So, hopefully. The work has to continue and the blessing will be greater because the truth will always outweigh a lie, right? And so the truth is people are suffering. The truth is that there are kids in the street, right? But the other truth is that for my entire life, you know, I'm someone who has been working with young people um, since I was 16 years old, making sure that there are better pathways for other people. And so...
2: Um, that's a very loaded question for you to ask me that. And we th- we discussed that before. And I actually told you that I would ask you yeah. that question. And so I asked that question. Yes. And, so, and it's not a loaded question I told no, you. No, it is. I was going to tell you up front it is. that I did tell you about it. Yeah. And we both agreed to it. Yeah, I told you that. But, it's still, but see, even
1: we sat for four hours the other day, right, and discussed mm-hmm. this. And so even when you asked me in real time to even... The suggestion of it, right? Because there's so many implications in that, right? And I had a, another follow-up
2: this. point yeah. to that since you, um, since you added on. What do you, What would you say to people who feel that even in this allegation, you are centering yourself um, in regards to being someone who stands up for a community? Uh, I think hopefully y'all hear this, by the way. it this being, being in the, the interview not people, just my voice. Um, who have done great things in civil rights. And you censoring yourself um, In the middle of an allegation
1: Yeah you know it's it, was what, um, This is a bullet wound Right We're on 45th street in Broadway I got shot 5 blocks from here At the age of 15 Right So a quarter of an inch over I would have been paralyzed from the neck down A half inch over I'd be dead So since January 18th 1983 I've never taken a second for granted To be alive I'm very, you know I can't even count how many people are no longer here That I grew up with, that I've known That numbers, I I don't even know how many it is Right Um, And so, life is precious And each moment is precious And so, for someone Who has long understood um, The power of thought And the power of intention The ability to manifest my life The way I want it to I've never had a job that I want I've never had to just work to make money. Every single thing I've done in my life, whether I was a bike messenger, you know, working with young people, making movies, TV, working in education, working with the criminal justice system, working on the environment, working with fathers, any social issue, any professional pursuit, every single thing I've done, it's because it's an intention. And I follow the intention, I chase the purpose, right? And so to stand up in the face of someone saying that you're this when i know i'm this i also felt wow that's kind of how it feels like to be transgender <laughs> right can you imagine walking into the world looking the way you and i do but feeling inside that something is not lining up and you need to address that with the way you present in the world and you don't look so good i don't
2: think i could ever <laughs>
0: I, I had to stop it right there i remember this part of it <laughs> I had to start it right there now before the interviewer gets into what he says because what he said is basically what I said this is actually my second time watching this interview uh this may be your first time again this is part this is literally i fast forward from uh the nine minute mark and we're now on 12 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, and there's still, this is a 18 minute and 44 second interview. Uh, but, um, so there's still a lot to, 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 to be discussed wildly. Um, but Malik Yoba basically states, and you're going to hear, you're going to hear his reason why. Uh, but he basically states that he knows how it feels to be a trans person. Because, well, I'm going to tell you why, but you'll get a further, (laughs) you get a further explanation. You know what? Nah, I know this is super unprofessional. You know what? I'm going to let him tell you himself. And then I'm going to (laughs) react to it as usual. So uh, hopefully you're still listening. Hopefully you can still hear.
2: Or or anybody who's cisgender could ever... (laughs) Um, place themselves in a trans person's position? I think we can because I had to do it on New York
1: Undercover. So, on New York Undercover we did an episode where people were um, killing transgender people so we actually had to dress and go into the world. That's fiction though, that's not real. No, but you're missing my point. You're making your point. The point that I'm making is that you ask me what does it feel like to stand up in the face of this and I'm telling you That if I'm this, and someone's calling me this, that is akin to a transgender woman being called a man. No, it's not. Do you really make that
2: comparison?
1: I do. You may not make it, but I'm making the comparison because I sat in it. I know what it's like for people to try to yell at me and tell me I'm gay, to tell me that I'm a pedophile, to tell me what I'm not.
0: Nobody calls people people pedophiles for for liking trans women. They call people pedophiles for liking children.
1: And so, when you feel that pain, when you walk down the street and people are basically saying "fuck you," and you still move on your purpose, that's empowering. As painful as it is, it's also empowering. And so, when I talk to my transgender friends, and they have—I wonder if he still hangs out with those two women from uh, the—let me when they're telling you that they are—that's painful for them too. So, if I'm going to be the person, the first one to stand up. And take the hits I know what it feels like And I feel I have the right to say yes As I stand alongside you I do understand your pain Not on an intellectual level But on an experiential level I was walking down the street the other day And someone said happy birthday AIDS victim They screamed out out a window to me
0: Whoever said lost that lost work
1: Because it's yes, just like true. trans people I have people look at me sideways Just like trans people I have people calling me gay, just like trans people. So I have the right to tell you exactly how it feels if I choose to stand nope, up with these folks stay. that I love and appreciate and consider part of my humanity. Okay. And I can tell you what it feels like. I understand. So, No, um,
0: Malik. So, no, Malik. I'm going to pause real quick. You can tell us how it feels like to be a cisgendered heterosexual man to be disrespected by... Strangers, because you are attracted to trans women. That still does not mean you know how it feels to be a gay man or a trans person in general. No, it means you know your experience and your experience alone. That makes absolutely no sense. Shut up. I'm going to continue playing now.
2: With this, um, to kind of rally up, uh, fill out the rest of these questions before we move forward, um, census allegation too um, if you search your name on social media so, um, some sex workers have come forward um, saying that you've long solicited sex and trans women and because of this you've been criticizing for fetishizing trans women and not having intimate and loving relationships with them so what would you say to that? I don't know what you're talking about you don't know what he's talking about
0: but you told him not to discuss that <clears throat> during a four hour meeting you had with a man makes absolutely no sense you're telling somebody that'd be like me talking about hey you said x y and z on your podcast last week about beating up a a a couple because you thought they were racist or they had some racist actions and then i said i don't know what you're talking about but then four hours prior to that somebody asking me that question we discussed what I said about last week's episode about that racist couple. Okay,
2: so we've gone on social media and we found people who have said this, and so, so social. Maria Lopez, now is the truth. That's the repository. Faces, yeah. Their faces on it. So we we're just asking if you had anything to say about that.
0: Social media ain't the truth okay, But it so is worth addressing If people are on, on, to on their same shit
2: trans black women Who say that you're Centering, centering yourself And that you're being opportunistic um, And focusing on your attraction I wish y'all could see to,
0: this video too uh, the, I mean y'all can't see it Just look it up on YouTube without that you're Look at the body language So what would you say
1: to that? So you and I sat for four hours the other day mm, right? See And we decided
2: how we were going to approach this not me, we said we, went through we, a, we, went we decided through a how we were approach this, bro. We went through a number of we, questions. We decided how we, would approach we were approach this, and we said that recording. We... And the more you talk, the better, the worse it looks for you. Mm. So what I'm asking is that we, we're having. What a did conversation. you say? I said the more that we're talking, the more. I'm just concerned So I'm generally concerned I say that the more That it looks bad for you That's what I'm saying Yes sir This looks bad for me Yes Because I'm I'm asking you A number of questions We're done bro Okay
1: We're done It looks bad for me Because I chose To come and speak to you About you And what I've done It looks bad for me It's a setup. I don't like this Okay We said that we were Going to
2: focus on policy and we did, and we, we also, and we, and we, morning we morning. also, and we and also we said, on and we, and we also said, all. and now we had
1: a conversation no, 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 about no, 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 a man. I, I, like I, I don't. We, I know, know, we discuss discuss not we fucking discussed for four fucking hours. You stand allegations. The fuck is wrong with you? The fuck is wrong with you?
2: There We sat for four
1: fucking hours. We sat for four fucking hours. We sat for hours. We sat for four fucking hours, and you gonna stand some fucking allegations? Fuck you! the fuck is wrong with you? This is my fucking life. The
0: Sounds fucking familiar. No. So Can you
1: guys not? This is like. That's just fucked up, man we have like no this. fuck is wrong with you man we fucking sat for four hours all right, all right, all right, don't tell me shit don't tell me about me. this is a professional this is life right, his intention is not to antagonize you We're to no, we no we discussed the process we said yeah, we right, would start let's, let's no no it. we can talk about it. let's bring it no down. my man
2: just so we had an office obvious setting. nobody's here to Listen.
1: argue
2: with you let's keep it professional
1: listen You're not the one being called names in the street.
2: But he's not trying to call names. We discussed
1: how we would flow. We said we would start with policy. We said we would talk about community. And then we said we would talk about our personal lives. We said we would do 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. You stayed on the allegations, B. I want the cards. You can't use any of it. There's no...
0: right, the rest of the the last few uh seconds of the interview is just him screaming i want the cards he wants the the memory cards the sd cards basically all the cards that got the footage of what i just watched what you just listened all 18 minutes of it well i mean i didn't play all 18 minutes for y'all but at the same time like i said you can very much look this up on youtube just search up malik yoba uh either walks out interview storms off or malik yoba the root it's on their official youtube channel as well so there should be no confusion as to where you can find it um i would say something like i'd leave it in the scripted box for y'all to make your life easier but i'm probably not so as you heard you heard my uh, uh hopefully you heard me chime in on a bunch of things um let me start by saying this before I get into everything else I think it's a shame that first of all the last man who said this is my life you're playing with he straight up quoted R. Kelly he pulled R. Kelly quoted R. Kelly I'm not sure if Malik Yoba subconsciously knew at that moment that he and R. Kelly was one R. Kelly likes cisgendered teenage girls young girls and Malik Yoba likes trans teenage girls allegedly but at the same time the simple act of getting upset with questions that you are denying um, and you're tired of being asked or tired of certain accusations about yourself right um and You use the words, this is my life, you're, you know, you're, 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 this is my life, this is, this is something I take seriously, blah, say, blah, and all this other stuff, right? I don't think Malik Yoba lives under a rock. I I, I know for a fact, or I feel as though for a fact he knows R. Kelly, about R. Kelly's meltdown. I feel as though he knows where R. Kelly is right now. Meaning, like, R. Kelly being locked up right now. Um, so, if Malik, again, if I am going to put myself in Malik's mind... God, no, I don't think this way. But, uh, well, I don't think the way Malik does. But, if I'm going to put myself in Malik's mind, the head of Yoba, right, The Yoba head. Um, I would not do what... R. Kelly did and think that I can get away with it now Malik Yoba probably thinks that he can because as I'm getting more as I'm looking at Malik Yoba now I'm looking at a man who one doesn't deserve the men being men award right Um, that I gave him a couple weeks ago but didn't know about all this shit (laughs) But I also see somebody who is full of himself as it was brought up in an interview where there are a number of trans women who've said that he is turning his movement into he, he's being more self-centered in this movement about and self-serving, right? Look at me. I like trans women. Um, I should be celebrated for liking trans women, you know? He should not be teased on the street. He should not be teased anywhere for liking trans women. But nobody—not him, not me, not anybody out there—if you are tra- attracted to trans women, should be put on a pedestal. I don't think we, no. I don't think we should be put on a pedestal. To be honest with you, for liking trans women, it is what it is, right? Now, no one should be teased for it. As I stated before, no one should be teased and made feel ba- made felt bad for being attracted to whoever they are attracted to. But I don't think people should be put on pedestals either. But it would be a shame, as I was alluding to before I went on a little random tangent, it would be a shame because it seems as though whenever Malik talks about how he was raised by his father, his mother, it seems as though his parents were really well-grounded parents that instilled morals in this man, or strong morals in this man. Especially when he talks about his dad, his black dad, being an influence in his life. And to see him react the way that he did in this interview, to see him act the way that he does when he gets defensive or whatever, uncomfortable to see the way that he carries himself in a way it's a shame it's a shame because it's like bro you were one of the very rare black men to grow up with a black mom and dad in your household and it's like you're not and i'm not saying that everybody who is who has a two-parent household grows up to be the perfect angel or the perfect citizen or whatever but it was like bro it seems as though whenever you talk about your parents because he's always speaking highly of them so whenever you talk about your father uh, it, it seems as though this man would instill some greatness in you so why the fuck are you acting this way again if he is guilty of everything that he is being accused of and all this other BS uh, why why are you in a way putting your parents name to shame why are you making them look bad because of your ego I don't know that's just something I was wondering Throughout this interview, throughout the Breakfast Club interview, uh, and throughout when I heard about the allegations, it was—I this man sounds like he was raised by an amazing father and mother. So it was hard for me to to. And again, I'm not saying people who are raised in two-parent homes grow up to be angels, and people who don't have fathers, because I'd be going alongside with what Jay Z was saying. Was basically saying cops kill young black men because young black men don't have fathers. And young black men hate authority because they don't have fathers. And because of that, cops just shoot them. You know, that correlation he was making is bullshit. I'm not saying that at all. Because I know some single parent households, people who are raised by a single mother. People who are raised by single fathers. uh, And they are some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Most of them being raised by a single mother. But. I can't ignore the presence that both his parents had in his life growing up and then to see him act in ways that I feel as though his parents would not approve of. Yes, it makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel a certain way. As someone who did grow up with a mother and a father in the household. And they instilled things in me. I'm not gonna say everything that they they taught me I'm going I follow. I'm not gonna act like I'm the perfect child. I'm not gonna act like I agree with all of their uh ways of going about life or whatever, right? But at the same time I feel certain I feel a certain way when I end up fucking up or reacting the way or doing things where I was like yo my parents didn't raise me to be this way right so I just don't if I feel that way when I was raised by both of my parents I don't see how Malik or anybody else do not feel that way when they're out here doing some fuck shit my parents did not raise me to do these things or even if you are raised by a single parent I don't see how anybody can comfortably live with themselves saying doing or acting on certain things and it's like my parent or my mom my dad or my mom and dad did not raise me to do these things be this type of person that's just my thought second thought that comes to mind is the people he did the breakfast club interview with now these the two trans women and uh the guy David Johnson and David Johns, whatever his name is, DJ, I'm gonna just call him DJ. They weren't present in this ROOT interview alongside with Malik Yoba. Malik Yoba was, you know, by himself, or at least from where the camera angle was looking because the camera was only focused on Malik and the interviewer. Uh Malik was by himself. So there was no trans women to correct his language. There was no uh gay man to step in to correct his language or to say you're you're doing this wrong or whatever, right? There was no other man, there was no other woman on his side to correct him. I'm wondering if those two women, especially them being trans women, found out about the allegations found out it was true or not or whatever or they found out about the allegations don't know if they are true or not but decided to distance themselves from Malik because they obviously uh well I won't say obviously because you'd never know but they are trans women who don't agree with the actions Malik did and they feel a way about it and DJ feels a way about it so he's just dis- distancing himself from Malik as well that's just another curiosity that comes to mind um, is where is where's this crew <laughs> uh, when I did the segment a couple weeks ago Malik Yoba's friends yes I had some things to say about them um, I had some things to say about that interview once again you could go check out that uh, I think it's on the only episode entitled Ed Wild Buck. That was probably two weeks ago or so. Um, but you'll see, you'll see, because it's called Ed Wild Buck. But anyways, um, as far as this interview, as far as my feelings about Malik Yoba, as far as everything else I've stated, Uh, this man is wild. This man, is, these are actions of a man who is guilty to me. Because you saw how R. Kelly reacted. You see where R. Kelly is now. Now, I don't think Malik Yoba is going to serve any type of time or get in any type of trouble for statutory rape in three, possibly two, three teenage uh, transgendered. Uh, you know, at the time they were, tra- uh, they were teenagers when they were transgendered women, uh, teenage girls, when they were, uh, sex workers. Now they're not sex workers anymore. And they're also not teenage girls anymore. Um, he's not going to get in trouble for that because there's a lot of implications with that. If you if Malik gets in trouble for that then ultimately I think that women will have to serve some type of jail time as well because prostitution is illegal in New York Uh, and these events happen in New York and for the most part I believe they happen in New York I know Maria Lopez the first woman who came out said it happened in New York because that's where she resides that's where she's from that's also where Malik uh, resides and he is from Uh, so the New York, New Jersey area I believe were the areas uh, but either or prostitution is illegal in both states Jersey and New York so it's a slippery slope if these women wanted to press charges because in a way they would be um, if they can press charges that's number one number two if they were able to do so I think they would also be charged because of the illegal act they were doing at the ages of 13, 14, 15, or 16. Right? Um, So I think they're just coming out to tell their story. I don't think that they're coming out to get this man locked up. Now, if Malik is still paying to have sex with prostitutes of age now, and they are trans women, and then one comes out and says that you know, I don't know. I don't think anyone's gonna come out to try to get him locked up. They're coming out to take detail their story. Whether I believe this story or not, once again when I see Malik react the way that he did, I understand how frustrating it is to be lied on and for people to continuously push this lie because it's entertaining to them. And I understand the feeling of this is my life that you find entertaining. Well, this is my name, you find entertaining being dragged through the mud. But at the same time, what's true is true and what is false is what is false. You gotta understand at the end of the day, as hard as it is to be teased for whatever reasons you are being teased, people calling you a tranny is not true because you're not a tranny, alright? In the sense of you're not Transgender. If people are calling you gay, you know you for a fact you're not gay that you're attracted to women, women specifically, sure, will those insults hurt? Yeah. As someone who's been called gay multiple times, those insults, I mean, they don't even get to me at this point, at, at this point. When I was younger, yeah, it, it got to me, but it didn't make me react the way where i wanted to react this way the way that he and r kelly did basically i didn't want to react that way it was more so i yo shut the fuck up like it's getting old it's like it's kind of like the big nose jokes that i got the nappy head jokes that i got it was like really that's all you got gay big nose nappy head all right man whatever I know what's true and I know what isn't true. And and the fact that my hair is nappy and my nose is big. These are true things that I don't have a problem with. Even if I was gay and people were calling me gay as an insult. Not because they were calling me gay because that was my sexuality. It still wouldn't be, even if it was true, it still wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But at the same time. Malik Yoba, once again, you playing a transgender woman, whether it be on Broadway or whether it be on New York other cover does not equate to you knowing how it feels to be a trans woman or trans person in general, because like the interviewer said, it's fiction, bro. At the end of the day, you can take off that costume. At the end of the day, you can refuse and say, I don't want to play this character for whatever reasons trans people it's not a costume to them it's not a decision of whether they want to be trans or not you're thinking of gender fluid folks whether they feel a certain way one day or not but or at least I believe that's gender fluidity but with trans folks it's not a costume, it's not a, well, well, you know, the torment today is 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 looking like, it's is looking kind of dangerous out there. So you know what, I think I'm going to fall back from this trans life today. And hopefully tomorrow is a more safer day for me, and then I could put on this trans costume. No. It's a life for them. It's their life. It's how they feel. Your life, Malik Yoba, as a black man, that'd be like anybody putting on a blackface costume. That'd be like Trudeau. Or anybody putting on a blackface costume and saying, I know exactly how racism feels. I know exactly how it feels to be a black person here in America or anywhere else in the world. Because when I dressed in blackface, people were calling me niggers. People were throwing uh, banana pills at me. People were telling me to go back to Africa, even though that I've never been to Africa, even though I didn't choose to leave Africa, nor my ancestors did. Uh, People were telling me this, that, and the third, right? It'd be like someone dressing in, uh, you know racist motherfuckers, every Spanish version from Mexico, but somebody dressing in, uh you know, doing a stereotypical Hispanic or Latino impression or look, right? And then people call them spics, wet back, told them to go back to their country, scream, we're gonna build that wall in their face, all this other stuff, right? And saying, I know how they feel. No. It doesn't work that way. As I stated, Malik, you know how it feels to be a cisgendered black man to be tormented because of who, uh, because of who are, you are into, and in roles you may have portrayed in TV shows. But that's as far as that experience goes. You know how it feels to be dealt with racism because you've dealt with racism. You know how it feels to get shot because, you know, because you've been shot before. He throws that bullet wound around. I can't see it, by the way. But my vision is fucked up, so don't take my eyes for, as, you know, the end-all be-all of if bullet wounds are true or not on people. But he takes that bullet wound as in a way of trying to escape being judged or being corrected when wrong. No, no. I don't care if you got a bullet wound on your head, your neck, if you paralyzed from the waist down. You're wrong. You're wrong. You say something that is wrong. I am going to feel inclined to correct you on that. Simple. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on the whole thing. Once again, you are very welcome. And I still encourage you to check out <clears throat> the entire interview yourself. Even though I played the bulk half or the the more, I guess, important half for you. You're still encouraged to check out the interview yourself on YouTube. Because I'm probably not going to leave it in the description box below. I know how unprofessional of me, but... Whatever, you don't listen to this shit anyway. So, uh, I'm gonna get into the next and last segment of this podcast. Stay tuned. Alright, we back. Here to talk about forgiveness. And just my thoughts on the whole Amber Geiger, Bohin, both, uh, both them, Jean. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name. Um, All of that, all of that in relation to just the idea of forgiveness, okay? Now, for those who are wondering, I know if you are listening, you're wondering, well, Ernest, would you forgive Amber Geiger? And I made it clear on Twitter, but I'm going to make it clear here too. No. If Amber Geiger shot and killed one of my brothers, or just anybody that I knew, I would not forgive her, but forgiveness is a choice. I don't think that it, everyone should be subjected to, uh, just offering up forgiveness because of some religions, some religion says so, because even if you are following the Christian faith, there are times where it is stated that not everybody deserves forgiveness. The Bible has a lot of lessons that a lot of things in the book that goes against what it originally states. Anyways, that's probably for a for further a uh, future discussion for another time. If I even feel like the energy to look up all this stuff, I just remember when I was uh, following the Bible. I won't say heavily, but there were times where I was paying attention to it because I generally do like the Bible. Um, not to get sideswiped and everything. I do like the Bible, but like I said, uh, there were a lot of inconsistencies within, or at least to me. There's a lot of inconsistencies. But I think that's more so of a, a message to how we are as human beings. We can be very inconsistent with our morals and our, what we say we won't do or will do uh don't do a, uh you know it's okay to do all that other stuff right um but as far as forgiveness goes like i said it's a choice and with every choice out there it applies to the individual who is making said choice so because i would not personally forgive amber geiger or anybody for that matter for Murdering my brother does not mean that I am then going to apply that to every single person in the world. It does not mean that I'm going to look at you differently. Now, I am going to question why you are forgiving the person who murdered somebody that you loved, uh, whether there be a sibling or not. I will question that because inquiring minds wants to know (laughs) and I am the inquiring mind but will I try to convince you why you should feel the way that I feel? No. I also don't want that same type of treatment from you though. I don't want you to try to convince me why I should forgive Amber Geiger or anybody, God forbid, for murdering one of my brothers or any of my loved ones, right? God forbid. So that answers that aspect. As far as the forgiveness aspect goes, I did see a comment yesterday. I don't know how true it is or not. I did see it on Instagram, but this comment basically stated that, uh, you know, the Gene family put out a statement saying that His uh, both both ends forgiveness of Amber Geiger wasn't really, it should not be confused with full forgiveness. Well, forgiveness is one of those things where if you're not going to actually forgive a person, then you might as well not forgive them in general. You can't halfway forgive somebody is what I'm saying. It's you got to go full in. So, if you're listening to this podcast and I've ever done something wrong to you, uh, whatever the case may be, right? You can't be listening to this saying, I have forgive Ernest, therefore I listen to his podcast, but I'm still affected by what he said or did to me, right? Or I still feel a way about him, negatively about him, because of something he did or said. If you don't fully forgive me, then do not say that you forgive me because you don't. And what you should be doing is not just saying you forgive me because your God says that you have to, but to take the time out to process your feelings and emotions about whatever. And then if, and only if, the feeling of forgiveness is 100%, and it comes to mind. That is only the time. That, that is the time where you come out. And you say I forgive you. To anybody. I. I don't just. Just forgive people for simply. Saying shit. Like, just, again. Simply because. My God says. You have to. Because. What God knows is in your heart knows that the pain that you're going through know that the you know the thoughts that are going in your mind these things aren't easy. It's not easy to do these things. It takes some time it takes some processing. So if that is the case to, to botham's brother for Bo- botham's brother and his family in general. I would rather them have admitted that, no, we do not forgive you, uh, uh, Amber. At some point, forgiveness can be an option, is a possible option. But at this point right now, no. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I feel as though if they don't truly forgive Amber, but they said they did, or at least the brother he said he did because he didn't want Himself or the family to look a certain way in front of these white folks. That's something y'all going to have to work out. Because ain't no way in hell. There was no rule that stated that you had to forgive Amber. This is a woman who murdered both Jean. Lied about, oh, I thought this black man was breaking into my apartment. She knew that. Number one, it was not her apartment. Number two, um, she broke into his apartment to kill him. This was cold-blooded murder. Now, I'm not going to speak on... I want to know why. I've heard a story about them actually dating or being in a relationship. And then he called it off. And then she did the crazy ex-girlfriend thing. Where instead of saying... Yeah, I'm just going to leave this man alone. She killed him. And she, being a white woman and being a police officer, obviously thought she would be able to get away with with killing him because of her being a white woman and being a police officer. Two shields. Now again, do not quote me on them being in an actual relationship. I do not know for a fact why she did what she did. Other than her being an evil white bitch. I cannot tell you. So so please do not quote me. If you do know for a fact. Why she did what she did. Please tell me. Alright. But. As far as. The forgiveness aspect. I know a lot of people are. Upset. With. Or they feel a way, I should say, about everything that seems to be trans, uh, that be going down, that that is going down with this situation and Amber Geiger. It seems as though the Gene family isn't the only family out here, or isn't the only people, black folks out here, showing signs of compassion for Amber Geiger. You had the judge who was, you know, reading her Bible quotes and and giving her words of encouragement and also hugging her. You have the black uh, officer who was in the courtroom who I've seen some people say she was checking Geiger's hair to see if she didn't have any weapons or anything hidden in her hair. So she wouldn't be able to escape or hurt anybody. But then others are saying she was stroking her hair and she was just trying to comfort her that way. Either or, it seems as though there's a lot of compassion here that I'm seeing. I, Despite what the cop is doing, the judge was pretty firm. It was pretty obvious because the judge had a book in her hand, which can be assumed was the Bible, because she's getting sued for bringing, I guess, church into state, whatever the case may be. But uh, she had the Bible in her hand. She gave her a hug. You see Botham's brother give her a hug. Um, these are obvious acts of compassion, you know? Um. So with that being said, it does bring up... Inquiring minds once again want to know what's with all the forget. I mean, what's with all the compassion for a woman who murdered a black man who lied about why she did it, who cold-blooded murdered that black man, basically. Again, I cannot speak for everybody. As to why they do the things that they do. None of us can. But the optics does look... It's saddening. Or at least concerning to me at least. To see things like... Black folks within the system. Like this black judge. And I don't know this black judge track record. I don't know if she's always you know, using the Bible to comfort people with, before she sends them off to jail or prison, before she gives, I don't know if she gives hugs to everybody. She very much could be one of those judges that, you know, is, you know, going to abide by what the her job is, but then she it can also turn that off and say, but I am going to pray for you and I want you, I'm going to, you know, Send all these good vibes and positive vibes toward your way so you can while you're in prison or in jail or whatever. You can learn from this experience and you could come out a better person and I want the best for you. Right. Maybe she does do this, but I also was just when I saw her do that with Amber, I was wondering, has she done this to black people? She sent off to prison. Has she shown this much compassion for black men and women she sent off to prison or jail? Has this black cop, and I said I was going to bring her up, but you know, if she was stroking Amber's hair to comfort Amber, has she tried to comfort any other black woman or man? Whether she was, you know, stroking their hair or, you know, giving them back rubs or just giving them words of encouragement to be all right. Keep your head up. You know, a lot of people are going to put on their, uh, you know, black spiracy (laughs) hats on and they're going to, you know, they're going to make their points. Me being the curious George I can be, I'm curious to hear what those points are. So if you are going to do that, please send them my, my way. Hit me up on Twitter, You love Ernest. That is you underscore love underscore earnest. No trick spelling. Everything gets spelled the way it's supposed to be spelled. Yes, that includes my name. If you spell my name wrong, that's your fuck up. Anyways. I, I I do find it hard to to look at this situation. I ain't gonna lie. So I'm kind of finding it hard to talk about it, um, because it does make me feel a way. I'm not gonna sit here in front and be like, "Well, you know, it was it was their choice to forgive." Yes, I, am I taking that stance? Yeah. I'm still going to take the stance that it is their choice to forgive. It is their choice to react the way that they react to Amber Geiger. But at the same time, I really do feel a way when I see black people treating non-blacks, especially white folks, better than we treat our own people. I've detailed situations to where if it was a customer service situation, like if I was going to a restaurant or whatever, uh, a store, uh, whatever, And I was mistreated by the black people or given attitude by the black people who were at the counter. Uh, But then prior to me even being serviced, my black ass being serviced. And these are people I do not know, didn't have any interaction with. So it wasn't like it was, oh, there go that nigga Ernest again. Or, oh my God, that's my ex-boyfriend and I can't stand that nigga. It was never in those situations. 10 times out of 10, it was always someone I've never met in my life. Therefore, we're strangers. And I can't say maybe they had a relationship with these white folks, but the interactions did not seem as though they were acquaintances with these white folks, but they were so much more nicer and in the, in the, in the, the service was so much more pleasant to the white folks than it was my black ass. That's not all the time where I go to these places and they have black folks. I was just in Target the other day had a pleasant experience with the black woman behind the counter. In fact, the times I've gone to Target and there was a black woman at the counter, it was always all good. Shout out to Target. Shout out to black women. Shout out to black women who work at Target. So, I'm not saying this is the case all the time, but it does dishearten me. I ain't gonna front. It does make me feel a way when I see black folks not being as compassionate as we should be with one another. Whether these black folks are African Americans Haitian or whatever we all we black folks we all should be showing compassion the same amount of compassion that we we meaning you not me but we aren't afraid to show the white folks because oh we don't want them to see us as all savages We should be treating that we should be as compassionate to other black folks and be, and be and that our minds be thinking we don't want black folks thinking we hate black folks. We don't want these black folks thinking we are some self-haters. We are going to come to them with love. To let them know that they are loved by me and that they can love me too. That's the big thing I take away from this situation. Now, Amber getting 10 years and probation in five years or whatever the case may be, she's a cop. People get all the headlines, former cop to lessen the blow. But whether she was fired or whether she was she quit, whatever the case may be, she's a cop. Once you're a cop, a white cop especially, and you killed a black man, you're going to get that easy treatment. And all this showcasing of the black folks showing compassion to Amber Geiger. It's just yet again a way of trying to trick white, I mean, black folks into taking the, and I hate to put it this way, the weak. Martin Luther King approach. Turning the other cheek. No, in fact, fuck that. I apologize for that statement. Because I don't want to make it seem as though forgiveness is weakness. Forgiveness is not weakness. If there's anything that you don't take away, that you will take away from this episode, take away that forgiveness is not weakness. But... it can be used against us as it has been in the past by racist white folks. See, the reason black folks survived so long is because we knew when to forgive, but we also knew when to fight back. If all we did was turn the other cheek, We'd have no cheeks to turn. But if all we did was carry hate in our heart, then nobody else would feel safe to love us. Or we wouldn't have love, we wouldn't be loved or whatever because of the negativity, the negative vibes that we're putting out there. And I know this is going to be all, oh, he's talking all that spooky-wooky talk, that vibe talk, that higher power talk, that hippie nonsense shit. If you're not into that, then feel free to tune off now, my nigga. Like, ain't nobody making you listen. Ain't nobody listening. But I do believe in that stuff. I do believe that we do need both. Simply because I would not forgive Amber Geiger or anybody does not mean I'm saying it is all it's it's wrong to forgive cuz it is not I just don't think that saying things like we don't completely forgive her or I don't completely forgive her I don't think it makes sense because like I stated before forgiveness is uh is an all in type of thing if you don't fully forgive somebody don't do it. Don't do it. Keep it real with yourself. Keep it real and say, I do not forgive you at this moment, at this time. Maybe sometime down the line after pro- processing everything, after some type of divine intervention or of some sort, I will be able to forgive you. But to come out and say things like, I don't fully forgive you. Nah, that's, that's just not how forgiveness works in my book. Not to get stuck on that, but to to continue on to the aspect and then I'll end off because I don't really have much else to say, honestly. Um, Amber's getting off the way that she's getting off. Uh, And I made a hot take on Twitter the other day, too. I said that uh, with all these black folks giving her so much compassion and love and stuff like that, she will serve prison time. Watch. But she's going to go to prison. Serve five years or less. She's going to get a dashing, yes, a dashing recommendation from multiple CEOs stating how good that she is doing and how much she's doing for... She's probably going to do some, like, uh 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 you know community outreach work for black folks as well uh she's going to get her retro dollars all on without identifying as black or at least being a fraud in the sense of trying to claim that she's black but she's going to be doing that she's going in that route and black folks will forgive her 100 percent forgive her now, again, I have stuff to say about that as well, but I don't want to make it, th- I don't want to include that in this discussion here about forgiveness. <clears throat> Last point I want to make, and it's that point I already made, but I just want to make it black folks. If you can easily forgive white folks for harming you, harming your loved ones, forgive black people. Because we, and we meaning once again, black folks, we hate each other for no reason. When I mean by no reason, meaning that no reason that we caused on ourselves to hate one another. There are reasons why black folks hate black folks, but these are reasons brought on by white supremacy. I just hope one day that we, whether you're African American, Haitian, Jamaican, whatever you are, whatever black you are. We're able to look at one another and say, What these white folks are trying to get us to do, I do not hate you. I love you. And I'm not saying black folks should just be forgiving two other black folks and everybody else fuck off. No, they don't get our forgiveness. No. Because as I stated before, if that was the case, if we were only forgiving to black folks and we weren't forgiving to uh, white folks or we did not have a forgiving bone in our body or whatever that stupid term is, we wouldn't have survived as long as we've survived. We need to know when to forgive. We need to know when not to. but we also really, really, really need to know how to forgive and love one another. Because despite what you say about other groups, the self-love they have is real. I'm not saying they don't beef within one another. There aren't civil wars within the white community, the Asian community, the Latin community. But they, from what I see especially, can put aside their differences like a motherfucker. Because they see the bigger picture. And that I may not agree with you on X, Y, and Z, but if it's affecting your Asian ass, I'm Asian... This could very much happen to me as it is happening to you, so I'm going to side with you. If they can do that, black folks, we should be able to do that. Instead of looking at it as the, my black ass made it out, and I'm only giving a fuck about my black ass. Fuck all these other black folks. Because that's how the people in power want it to be. So black folks, let's love one another. Let's not give up on forgiveness, but at the same time, let's be more forgiving to one another. Let's show more compassion to one another. That's that's those are the things I want y'all to take away from this episode. But that will be the end of this episode of of the Let's Talk About It podcast. Your host once again, Ernest. You love Ernest. Ernest, you love Ernest and Guy name, All that yada yada stuff. Timestamps in the description box below as usual. Wow, you listen to the entire episode. That's great. You listen to whatever segment you want to. That's also great as well. Make sure you share this episode with everybody that you know. Share it out. And if you're not already following, follow wherever you're listening to this episode so you can catch this on a weekly basis. Until then, stay black. If you're black, black people, please stay black, stay prideful, stay loving, stay compassionate to everyone and especially yourself and other black folks. Stay beautiful. Black Lives Matter. Trans Lives Matter. LGBT Lives Matter. Black Women Matter. Trans Women Matter. And I'm out. Peace.